Hey there, and welcome to Beer Branding Trends, conversations on building stronger craft beverage brands. Kodo Design has spent more than a decade working with craft food and beverage artisans, helping them to brand or rebrand, reposition, and reimagine what a compelling F&B brand can be. This show captures all of our fieldwork and experience into practical strategies, tips, and tactics to help you build a stronger brand and sell more beer. I'm Isaac Arthur. And I'm Cody Fay. And this is the Beer Branding Trends Podcast. Hey, Cody. What's going on today? Not a whole lot, Isaac. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm glad you're here. I've got big news. I've been meaning to tell you about this for a while. I am uh, I'm starting a brewery. Oh, wow. That is that is really big news. Uh, Isaac, tell me tell me about your your brewery that you're starting. Well, I'm sorry to ambush you in this format. I know this is probably more of a private conversation you and I should have, but yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while and I'm I'm taking the leap. I'm uh, I'm leaving my cushy corporate gig here at Kodo and I'm I'm going to start a brewery. I, it's either going to be here in Indy or Denver, maybe Montana. Uh, you know, I kind of pulled between those three markets. I like them all. And I don't know, it's going to be a little bit of kind of thinking from maybe like a tap room and make beer, a little bit of beer for everyone, you know, down the middle, nothing crazy, just something that everyone can like. That's, uh, that, that's really great, man. What, what kind of beer, what kind of beer are you going to make? Well, I, if you would listen to me, you know, I already said that I'm going to make a little bit of beer for everyone. I'm, I'm going to make, uh, you know, uh, an ESB. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not going to make an ESB, obviously. I'm going to make just like a, a not crazy hoppy IPA and maybe a, maybe a pills, maybe a, a pale ale, you know, just something that everyone can like real, real middle of the road. I don't want to offend anyone. I see. Well, thank God there's another one of those coming around. <laughs> what, what, wait, what, is that a joke? Are you, are you not happy with what I'm doing here? It's going to be a great concept and everyone is going to be happy with it. We're going to be, everyone's going to be our customer. Uh, that That is a business model that can't possibly fail. I know. <laughs> All right. We should probably end this and, and, and get to valuable insight for people. Since you've poked a few holes already in my, maybe, maybe I was picking up on that incorrectly, uh, poke some holes in my brewery concept. Cody, we are not here to talk about my brewery today, which I didn't even tell you the name because I don't have a name, but uh, we're, we, we are here to discuss one of the most important brand strategy exercises your brewery can undertake, and that is positioning. For fun, I went back to our earlier writing, hundreds of articles back, and actually back to our archive Tumblr page. <clears throat> if you want to know how far back I went, I stopped just short of your live journal. And I was pleased to see that we've been beating this this positioning drum since about 2014. There, Back then, we wrote it about Indiana beer specifically. There were something like 60 breweries in Indiana. And we felt that people really need to understand how they are different from other breweries. And so today, with north of 9,000 breweries in the States, all of our startup work and most of our rebranding work has an increasingly larger emphasis on positioning as we work through the brand strategy phase. And I thought that would be a good foundational topic for you and I to talk about today. So maybe I can ask you a few questions about this. You can help me sort out my own brewery brand along the way. Cody, let's start with the definition since we've already said the word positioning 10 times. What is positioning? What is it? Why is it important? The way that we think about positioning, there are three key points. Uh, The first one and probably the most obvious is what do you do? What do you sell? 
what do you provide? You know, what, what is the, what is your sort of brick and mortar concept and what's going on there? Um, in your case with your brewery, it's, uh, you know, just going to brew some beers. <laughs> just making some brewskis. Just going to make, <laughs> just going to make some cold micro brews. <laughs> uh, second component of positioning for whom are you doing this or making this or to whom are you selling these products again for your brewery uh, everyone right that's right Which, yeah i don't want to uh, and, anyone. and I, I don't know how well my sarcasm is carrying so i'm just going to say at this point in the craft beer industry saying everyone and then just kind of dusting your hands off is not going to cut it i'm just going to say that now and we'll talk more about that later the third and the most difficult to define often but probably also the most important how are you different than every other brewery out there based on what you're saying about your brewery not so much (laughs) (laughs) um and, and and it's important to point out too we're talking about being different not necessarily better you can fall into that trap of subjectivity Different people are looking for different things, even in, you know, the microcosm of craft beer. So we really focus on the idea of being different, not necessarily better. That's right. When you think about beer itself and and I think about 2010, you and I going out to breweries and having like objectively flawed beer, objectively, not subjectively, but then someone sitting next to you at the bar drinks it and loves it. <laughs> who's to say who's the best anyway? So definitely being different from a brand standpoint is important. And I I don't appreciate you continuing to poke holes in my brewery concept. Let's talk about a matrix just as a a quick tactical tool for folks. It is a phenomenal tool that that breweries can use to get a quick idea of what their competitive landscape looks like, where they fall, ideas for differentiation. Let's try this, Cody. Mm -hmm. What is a matrix and why, why should people consider using them if they're going through their own positioning work? So I would, because I'm a visual thinker and I'm going to explain what this is, but it might click better with you, the the listener, if you actually see this. So checking it out on Craft Beer Rebranded, um, mm-hmm. our book, craftbeerrebranded.com, is a great way to maybe put your eyes on this and understand it from a different perspective. But everyone went to middle school, or I mean, I know you didn't, Isaac, but most people went to middle school. You know um, that's a soft spot for me. I, I've seen these. So when we say a matrix, we're talking about basically a chart. I've seen these called scattered graphs, scatter charts, um, basically picture a, a, a cross. You've got two axes. You've got an x-axis and a y-axis. And along each one of those axes, you are measuring some sort of spectrum. It can be, you know, when we're talking about the craft beer industry specifically, it can be anything from, you know, price to visual styling to amenities at the tap room. You can measure all sorts of things with this chart, but the real power of this is that you can place basically your entire field of competition onto one chart and see how they compare. So say I wanted to make a matrix to compare who is in what package format, and I want to compare them to, let's say... Minimal versus maximal. Yeah, let's say, yeah. Uh, minimal, simple label design versus super busy, crazy, illustrative design. Cans and bottles on cans and bottle on each end of the, the x-axis and the y-axis would be, what'd we say, minimal versus maximal? Sure. Yep. What you're able to do is, you know, take your two dozen competitive people that you bump into all the time, whether that, you know, probably at retail in this case, since you're talking about packaging, 
and you can chart out where they fall. And, and this is super useful, kind of in the way that a, just a scatter graph is useful in general. Once you have enough data put on here, and you can kind of eyeball it too. You can kind of go off your gut feeling. I think if you know your market well enough, you can you can do a pretty good kind of rough pass of this. You're able to see what everybody is doing and maybe more importantly, what everybody is not doing. So mm -hmm. this is a great tool for identifying clear ground uh, in terms of positioning. And it's also just a really quick kind of fun, honestly, like I enjoy doing this. I enjoy thinking about a beer market and kind of ranking it. And, and it's even fun maybe to do with like a business partner or somebody else, like maybe your brewer or somebody who knows it, knows the industry really well to kind of talk out like where you place these things and stuff. But you also get this really useful information as far as what are the opportunities that nobody else has covered yet. Yeah. We've done them during rebrands as well, where you have multiple folks in the team, multiple stakeholders do it and you'll get usually the same results, but, but sometimes interestingly, just wildly differing ones. An interesting thing is through a rebrand, you can use this tool to kind of plot where you fall now and maybe uh, aspirationally where you'd like to go through the rebrand. So it can be used that way as well. You can also use it beyond just your, your opportunities for differentiation within your brewery. You can use it to spot other verticals that are, we, we just basically talk about every week on this show. So there are no breweries in our market making an RTD cocktail yet. Let's move on that, that sort of thing. So it, it is, we, we always talk about it. We like these, they're fast and iterative, very easy, very cheap to do. You can do them yourself. There is a caveat that we like to issue kind of just a blanket caveat. That is that maybe there is a reason no one's doing that particular grand idea that you've identified yet. Maybe there isn't a market for slushy, glittery seltzers just yet. I think that probably is like a 2022 trend, but we'll see. So as with always, you need to back up any perceived opportunities with the appropriate due diligence. Uh, and, and like Cody mentioned, uh, yeah, head over to craftbeerrebranded.com. You can actually see visual examples of this. Uh, might be a little easier to grasp. Let's shift gears a bit. And I want to discuss something that is really, really powerful if you can do it right. And that is categorical differentiation. So we, where do we find, I think it's, this is from the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. So we talk about that book a fair bit. Jack Trout and Alries, one of the most powerful ways of achieving differentiation is by creating a new product category altogether. You know, I'm not a car, I'm not a truck, I'm a crossover SUV. So you do that and you completely change how people view you and perceive you and, and think about you. It's very effective and more powerful than differentiating on brand alone if you can do it. And within beer, really in BevAlk in general, but in beer, it's it's an awesome concept. Cody, tell me why this is such a potent concept. So like Isaac's Brewery is going to make middle of the road beer for everyone, correct? Is that, that, that that's the, right. And I'm going to do it. Kind of, I'm going to do it really well. For. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, if we go back to the previous question to the, the, the matrix, uh, if we dotted out all the breweries that are doing that, you would be lost in a sea of little freckles. Probably. So the reason that kind of differentiating yourself by creating a new category is potentially super powerful and the matrix can potentially leave you to lead you to what that category is going to be it's because you're going to find a space where you're selling a product where either nobody is talking about it that way or you're meeting a market need that nobody has met yet give some really good examples of category dif differentiators i think we saw <laughs> this is kind of going back a little bit but like we saw the session ipa as a style you know rise out of the ocean like godzilla you know maybe eight years ago or whatever it was 
I think that's a really good example. We're seeing NA non-alcoholic beer um, become its own category. We're seeing the the better for you, quote unquote, healthy beer <laughs> category come out as well. All of those are really good examples of categorical positioning. You can also do this with the structure of your brewery as well. So we've worked with groups who are raising money for veterans and and serv- you know former service people, active service people. That is a category positioning in and of itself. You can focus on certain styles, whether regional or historical. There are folks who will do cool things with like the dining they're providing in, in the brewery. So there's all kinds of different models of ghost kitchens and pop-ups and coffee bars and different ways you can provide a unique categorical differentiator to help position your brewery. And that way, you know, you kind of stick out of the pack. It's like the the squeaky wheel gets the grease and people will remember you and want to come back to kind of that same need. Yeah. I want to, I want to pull out a quick thread that you mentioned there because I think it's really powerful and indicative of what we're talking about here. You mentioned non-alcoholic beer. There are a lot of breweries right now. I I don't, a lot, I don't know how many breweries there are, but but if you read headlines, you think that every brewery in the world is making a non-alcoholic beer right now. So those are breweries that are offering an NA beer versus you look at a company like Athletic Brewing that goes all in making nothing but NA beer and they they get known. So when you think of non-alcoholic beer, your mind instantly clicks. The next slide is Athletic Brewing. And that's what positioning is. We're trying to indelibly link your brand with a certain thing, a certain message, a certain positioned offering. And Athletic Brewing by going all in on that positioning is I mean they're they're going to be a billion dollar business at some point. So it's remarkable to see. Uh, let's shift gears here. We've got a few points left that I wanted to ask you about kind of rapid ish fire. Let's see how, how well we can do this. Let's start by discussing the positioning trap. This is, this is a fun, quick point. And, and, and to illustrate it, let's use a small trend that we wrote about in this year's beer branding trends review. Let's talk about organic beer specifically, Cody, looking at organic beers in a brewery that might be considering doing that. What is the positioning trap? The, so and we can talk about organic beer. I think the pendulum swings the other way too. I think there are actually two positioning traps that we can talk about, but we'll start with your example of organic beer. Will your brewery be making organic beer? Oh, my brewery? Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to check because it sounded a little too interesting maybe for what, what you're set up to do. That's really um, rude, but yeah, no, we're not. So we've seen organic beer kind of um ebb and flow pop up a few times both with you know people reaching out to us for work and just in the market at, in general and it seems like a no brainer to move there to organic beer just because that is a categorical differentiator i would argue i think that is mm-hmm. something that is kind of remarkable and interesting and of note you don't see it a ton but there's kind of a flip side to that where if you're going to move into that organic beer positioning, you need to make sure that there's going to be enough business there to sustain it. I think of organic beer and I think of the ingredients being more expensive. So I imagine that the final product is going to at least have a buck or two more tack on the end of it. Is everyone going to be after that type of beer? Not necessarily. Uh, will enough people be into buying that type of beer to kind of sustain the the brewery and the business and kind of get you to where you want to be in terms of making you know actual money? Uh, maybe, maybe not. So being careful that you don't scope down too specifically, that you leave a bunch of people out. The other trap that people can fall into is what I'm going to call the Isaac's Brewery trap. 
Um, and if you've heard us talk about core brand values, either on this podcast or in a presentation or in any of our ridiculous propaganda that we spread around online, um, you've heard us talk about the core brand values of craft beer versus like actually having interesting core brand values. So it's really not enough to say, you know, we value quality and consistency and uh, a, a full flavored product. And uh, because those are table stakes at this point for craft beer. So again, if you're saying something that 90% of other breweries can say about their beer and do say ad nauseum, that is not positioning. That is just, you're j- literally just describing craft beer. At this point, there's so many entries in the industry and the market that you need to be more specific than that. So that's kind of those are kind of some things that can snare you up as you're thinking about positioning. That's a great point. And maybe just one other thought on that. Uh, this is maybe another reason why brand architecture is so important, because you might you might hear what Cody just walked through and go, oh, I think that maybe a gluten free beer or an organic beer or an in a beer might make a lot of sense for my market, but maybe as an offering from my brewery itself. But if you listen to what we just said, you might think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because that might confuse people. I think that if you look through your brand architecture, you might be able to actually create an offering that that has some distance from your parent brand in a way that won't actually pollute or not pollute, dilute your parent positioning. Let's see here. One, this is This is something I wanted to actually get your opinion on, Cody. A common concern that not not that common anymore, but we've heard it in years past about getting really well positioned and niched up from a messaging standpoint is that you it could be limiting. So number one, is this going to pigeonhole our business into one specific offering, one specific message? Could it be boring for me as a brewer or a business owner? I'm thinking of left field breweries. So like everything they do stems from baseball lore and stories, printer's ale manufacturing down in uh, Georgia about printing and the printing industries are great examples here. What do you think about that, Cody? So what we're really talking about here is less about the moving parts of the business and a lot more about the sort of forward-looking thematics. And this is largely dependent on how you execute it. So in the case of Left Field and in the case of Printer's Ale, a couple great breweries that we've worked with that do have very strong um, thematic storytelling as components of their brand. You mentioned Left Field baseball themed in almost everything they do one way or another printer's ale printing themed to differing degrees but it's always kind of present in there because of their story and and who they are and and what their logo is and all that so um what this comes down to i think is execution because you can pigeonhole pigeonhole yourself too much to where i I could really see a baseball themed brewery that just kind of half-asses it and becomes very one note and kind of dull um Left field is not that at all. I think a part of why they are not that is because they are very smart, engaged business people. They have a really good internal like marketing slash design person on staff, same for Printer's Ale, to keep things fresh and to keep things interesting and to kind of reinvigorate and reimagine what that theming means. But I, I think in any case with a brewery, like say you're just going to be like a pirate brewery. Isaac, are you going to be a pirate brewery? Negative. Yeah. Okay. So no, but you know, it, you could do that in sort of a really cliche, uninspired, backhanded kind of way, and it really wouldn't do much in the market, I don't think. So, so that's where, like, thematically, you can really kind of position yourself into a corner if you're not careful and engaged. Yeah, and and just as a walking the walk illustration, there, I was on a I was in a design talk with 
with Mandy Murphy from left field the other day with our University of Vermont work that we do. And, and a student had asked that question. And Mandy talked about how whenever they do something that falls outside of baseball, which is really rare, it still ladders up to their values. So they're not just doing any random thing. It always makes sense from a messaging and positioning standpoint, no matter what beer they're doing. So it, it actually, I, I think, provides a lot of clarity and, and makes decision making easier. I couldn't imagine sitting down, you know, going, we're going to release 40, I don't know, 50 beers this year in package. So we got to come up with 50 new names and concepts and everything. I that that's I'm getting a lot of anxiety even thinking about that. So yeah, uh, having having a having a really clean core precise positioning can actually make your life a lot easier as well. Let's wrap this up. Give people a quick way. How do we put a bow on this process? When when Kodo is working with folks and actually kind of wrapping up the positioning process proper, what is the brand positioning statement, Cody? Give me, uh, this might work better also, like by checking out craftbeerrebranded.com, but but give me give me a rundown. Let's, let's see if we can do it. Sure. So after you've done all of this work and kind of taken stock of all these moving parts and you've worked through all of this and you, you've kind of settled in on some key ideas about who you're doing your thing for, um, what's different about it, you can refine it then into a positioning statement. And I've seen these be a sentence. I've seen these be four pages, but generally you want this to be shorter. This is something to help you kind of use as a quick touchstone to measure different decisions. The structure is basically your name. So Isaac's Brewery uh, (laughs) provides everyone, right? So your specific audience in this case, it's everyone with a craft beer, which is your unique benefit, which isn't all that (laughs) unique, actually. Um, So yeah, Isaac's Brewery provides craft beer to everyone. So now like the the cynic in me would go out on on a limb and say, that's not a very good positioning statement. But if you have thought about this more and have a good idea for your business, then it should sound a lot more cogent and a lot more watertight. So like, like, give an example of one of our clients. Big Lug Canteen here in Indianapolis, one of my favorite spots on the planet, serves Nora residents. And if you live in Indianapolis, you know what that means. If you don't live in Indianapolis, sorry. Approachable English-style beers and hearty brew pub fare in a fun, airy, creative spot along the Monon bike trail. Okay, pretty good, right? Starts to tell me a little bit about what's going on there, if I might like it or not. And I know I can ride my bike there if I were so inclined. So pretty good statement there. Yeah, this is... As far as all the things that we're covering on this show, this isn't a guiding light as much as, say, brand values, but it it is an important thing to have nailed down. I mean, almost like on the first page of your executive summary type thing, if you're in planning, it's handy to have there and it kind of keeps you kind of in a master way oriented towards who you're serving, what you're doing and how you're different. This has been great, Cody. I appreciate all your honesty and feedback. I think I've changed my mind. I'm not going to uh, you've bullied me into not starting a brewery. I'll stick this job out with you for another few decades. Sounds good, Isaac. I'm glad I don't have to drink your beer and pretend like it isn't awful. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Beer Branding Trends. If you like what we're doing here, if you find this valuable, please rate and review us over on iTunes. And head over to beerbrandingtrends.com to join more than 5,000 subscribers who receive our monthly email newsletter covering strategy, currents, and actionable advice from Kodo Design, a branding firm on the front lines of beer and beverage branding. Take care. We'll catch back up with you soon. Thank you.